Stefan and Matt. We're an interracial couple with two kids wanting to do something that highlights the power of friendship and what it means to be in the company of true friends. We're going to move our society away and out of the loneliness epidemic and into a friendlier, happier world. Welcome to our friendly world. Better, stronger, together. Hello. Welcome back. We have a beautiful, beautiful surprise for you today. Our friend Barry is back. Barry is here. Hi, Barry. Hi. Great uh, to be back. So good to have you back. You all know Barry came to visit us when we moved. Barry is a dear friend of ours. He's a family member. He's also been on our podcast before a few times, a yes. couple times, right? I want to say the first one was, um, I think it was... February 28th, 2021. <laughs> and then the last one was when we were going through total hardship. It was April of 2022. And we were talking about hardship in the world and how you can still find happiness and kindness, even though the world is in such turmoil. And we talked about love, of course. And Barry, of course, if you remember, if you don't, just go back to the previous episodes. The links are in the notes and on our podcast, type in Barry Lane and you will find the other episodes. But what you associate with Barry, our friend Barry, is a kind world. He is the ambassador of love and kindness. He's actually, what were we riffing on? The ambassador and troubadour for loving kindness. He's... The Jim Morrison of kindness. <laughs> Open door to kindness, which led us to Jim Morrison of the doors. Of sorry, course. sorry, guys. Yeah. We were totally having a conversation before we actually pressed the record button. <laughs> mm -hmm. So Barry is here. Everyone, welcome back, Barry. Hi, Barry. Thank you. Riders on the storm. <laughs> <laughs> Barry travels all over the place, and he not only teaches kindness, but he spreads kindness everywhere. He goes to schools. He works with children. He's given TED Talks. You could find more about Barry. Just go to forcefieldforgood.com. Everything, all the links are in our show notes. So we've been talking to Barry. We talk to Barry all the time. Thank goodness. We love him so much. So what we were riffing on yesterday was the following. What is stronger, love or hate? which is something Matt talks about all the time. What is stronger, <laughs> love or hate? How do you know this? How do you mend a broken heart? Which we also got into last week. How do you mend a broken heart? Uh, where does love live? How do you find love in all the wrong places? How do you find love in all the wrong places? Oh my goodness, that sounds like country western song. <laughs> and... The big question, should we even look, right? That's a big one, right? Like, wow. Of course we should, but it's interesting. Should we or shouldn't we? I don't know. Let's talk to Barry. <laughs> Barry, hello. Welcome back. Hi. I was thinking about that song. When, when I, whenever I think of that song, I think of Eddie Murphy doing his riff on that song. <laughs> Eddie Murphy? Yeah, he did. If you look it up, you'll see it online. He's looking for love in all the wrong places. Is that when he did his own album? His... Oh, Is that dear. his singing album? Yeah. He had this voice he used to do. He had this kind of voice. But, but um, yeah. It's funny because that song... Actually, when you think about that song, what do you think about? You think, what's the wrong place to look for love? You know, Of course, a song like that might be don't find your boyfriend or girlfriend in a bar or something like that. But maybe... The deeper level of that is, do you look for love in that prickly person that you just met, and, you know, or, or who said something unkind to you or whatever? And um, I always think of Anne of Green Gables when I think of that that kind of thing. Uh, and uh, I know that that's one of Matt's favorite books. And, hey, I have read <laughs> Anne of Green Gables, okay? You I, have. I have, oh I have two daughters, so it's, really? it's important to, you know, look at... You know, seminal <laughs> works for young readers, period. And that was one I did not read as a young man or as a young boy. Oh. 
Wonderful. Well, you know, the school marmy. Like, I don't even know what the name was. I, I didn't even read it. I just watched the PBS show. Uh, but the uh, but there was a school marmy lady that always gives Anne a real hard time, and she's busting her chops all the time when she's trying to do creative teaching in a school that you know she wants all the trains to run on time, and she's just being nasty, and she's so unkind to her and Anne. Right. Uh, her reaction to her is she doesn't like she doesn't take revenge on her. She says, just come to Green Gables. And, and coming to Green Gables, you see the layer. She starts to unlayer that woman. And you start to see underneath her prickliness. I was just in Tucson yesterday. So underneath that prickly cactus, inside there's all this sweet juice. Just, in Israel, that's what they call sabras. They call people who live in Israel, young people, sabras, which is after the cactus. In other words, on the outside, they're rough and rugged. On the inside, they're sweet and juice. And, and you start to see her face change and everything about her changes when she learns to let down that thing, you know. Our society trains people, I think, to other people like that. Those are the people people backbite about. Did you believe that woman, what she said to me? You know, you know, you know Anne would be like talking trash about her all the time to other, <laughs> if she was... <laughs> like, you know, on Facebook, you know, do you believe that lady? She thinks she's a teacher. All she does is like rag on the kids, you know, what's wrong with her, you know, whatever. But, you know, no, she she looks for love there, you know, and certainly she finds it because sometimes you find what you're looking for. Um, sometimes it's as simple as that. You, know? you find it, what you're looking for. Well, yeah, especially for me, I think, like, the more prickly the person, it's like once you actually, like, get into it and really get a sense of starting to understand them, those can be the most loyal people. And they're so strong in their beliefs, and they're so strong as far as, like, rushing to defend you and everything. I mean, they're very honest and open because, you know, here I am, deal with me. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're more open because it's rare to have someone actually give the time, give them the time of day. You know, it's rare to have someone just be there and not have judgment and just be there and keep gracing them with attention. Right. You know, with a loving, kind, soft, silent gaze, you know, without any judgment. And I think that when they realize that you're doing that, yeah, they are loyal to you. And I think it's also the whole thing comes about of people not being noticed as kind when they're, they seem prickly is because there's such a lack of time. And I think people just don't give it enough of that. They don't give enough time to get to know a person and they have very good reason for being prickly. You know, they've been hurt so much, but I think if we just allow for that grace, that it shows up on both sides. It, they open up and we end up seeing something amazing. And if we just keep going through life, always in a hurry, not noticing the beauty. Right. Then, yeah, we miss all these beautiful people that are quite lovely. Right, Barry? <laughs> yeah, it's sort of a... I, how would you describe it? You know, I, you know, I worked a lot, my, most of my career, I still do. I work with teachers about teaching writing. And um, elementary school teachers are very different than high school English teachers. <laughs> <laughs> high school English teachers, they can be like, you know, like stormtroopers for grammar or whatever it is. Right. But, yeah. they tend to, but they also tend to have a much higher sense of themselves as professionals, which is a good thing sometimes, you know, I think sometimes. And I think they can be a lot more prickly and i think sometimes people are prickly because they have like you say because they have a good reason to be and so maybe oh yeah someone like brenny brown i think i heard her talk recently and she talked about like um you know, can we assume that everybody is doing the best they can as soon as you make that assumption as soon as you make that assumption all judgment is dis disappears but it's so easy to other, you know, I, I yes. want to make this bumper sticker that said more mothering, less othering. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, uh, Vaughn says all the time 
everybody's working at their highest capacity. Someone told me that. I remember being mad at someone and I wanted this person to be on my side about it and go, yeah, Fawn, that was terrible. Uh, but they didn't. <laughs> They're like, they're doing the very best they can. I'm like, how can you say that about this person? And I don't remember what, what the situation was, but it happened a lot with different people. And she basically told me, look, everybody's operating at their highest capacity. So, and then it made me think of all the other people that I have met who, who mentioned that, you know, this is before the term hurt people, hurt people became known. But like, for example, I was working at a design studio and there was this one vendor who would come in and show us whatever we needed to work with, with tiles and things like that. And he was so gruff and he was so mean. He was mean. <laughs> and one of the designers I worked with just turned to me and said, you know what? I think he's in pain, physical pain. Oh. And as soon as she mentioned that the next time we saw him, he was in pain. Like no amount of, um, no amount of, uh, medication could relieve the pain he was in and it was constant and he had to still work and go meet people and drive across town and right. lift heavy things and be kind constantly because he was in sales you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. but as soon as he realized that we realized that he was nice to us <laughs> <laughs> because you were nice to him well, because we realized something was going on. We right. realized something beyond the superficial, like robotic thing that we all have to go through because you have to work and you have to present a face and you have to get your job done. You're not a human being. Do you know what I'm saying? Like you have to just get your job done. Suck it up. Right. And like, don't show your, don't show any emotion. Mm -hmm. Don't show your true self. Get the job done. Well, you just have to get the job done. Right. And so anyway, that's where I first heard that and then then i heard from our other friend who was like look everyone's doing their best and it made me think of like the family i grew up with and i'm like yes that's something i've been thinking about my whole life but i only thought about my family but that's really the whole world everybody is operating from some sort of trauma everyone has pain you're a human being you're gonna have all the flavors, you're going to have all the emotions living on planet Earth. And everyone's doing their best, going through whatever they're going through. They're literally, quite literally, operating at their highest capacity. Now, that may not mean that they're operating to your standards, to your standards. They're just operating from the best way that they can live. Do you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And that goes with friendship. Like I have the highest standards for friends. And I've come to realize that most people don't have the same standards I do. And as soon as I can come to terms with that, then I actually can find friends better because there's less pressure that people feel from me. And there's less pressure that I feel from the world. I think it's a, I've been teaching kids about Ubuntu. Um, U M. Mm. You guys say it. Mm. Mm -hmm. Bun. Bun. Like a bun. Bun, but, but yeah. Two. 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 It's cool. It's a cool, it has a word that has three U's in it. Very In English, we don't very rarely have that. How do you and spell it? And it's a word. U-M-B-U-N-T-U. -U. Mm. Ubuntu. Mm. It's a cosy. Cosy. I can't do it. I can't do the clicks. But it's a cosy word. South Africa, it's a word that Desmond Tutu always talked about in South Africa, which is the Ubuntu spirit of the people. And this is what I've learned. I actually wrote a song about it. Do you want to hear the song? Yes, please. Oh, yeah. Okay. Here's a song. It's called uh, It's called the Ubuntu song. <laughs> so in English, we don't have a word for this. You'd have to almost say a whole paragraph. You'd have to say... It's about seeing other people's as if they are you. You could say, a simplest way I've heard it put is, I am because we are. And I said that to my wife, who's my best song critic, Caroline. And she said, well, that's true, but it's also true that we are because I am. And, and uh, so here's the song. It's called Ubuntu Song. 
always nice to have a performance on the show thank you so much barry we love you so much so let's go back to the first question what is stronger love or hate mm, god it's difficult to weigh in isn't it what does that even mean that question so when you posed well, that question barry what were you thinking well i do this to kids all the time actually it's uh, part of the work that i do with the force field for good especially with old, older kids it's not a question you want to pop on a kindergartner all the time but but it is, it's one of those great philosophical questions. And in, in elementary school, almost unanimously, kids will say love, almost by mm-hmm. reflex, you know? Right. I, uh, unless there's things going on in, in town and things are happening. And I can give examples of that. But I'm working in Uvalde, Texas tomorrow, mm-hmm. going back again. I was there in September, you know, and there they had a quite, it was like a Voldemort experience right. that happened there if you know the harry potter books where there was a very of course horrible thing uh, you know horrific thing that happened and continues to happen in so many places in america and so the next question so i was at a school in minnesota but before i went to uvalde i didn't know how to prepare because here is september well how do you prepare basically for something school, like school that? ended after the shooting and here we are going in September, and I'm going to be the first person to meet all these kids and right. teachers. And, and uh, how do you prepare for that? And uh, the only way I realized it wasn't about me doing a performance. I realized I had to get all ego out of the way and just make myself like a hollow reed. There's a, a high prayer. It goes like this. Oh, God, make me a hollow reed from which the pith of self hath been blown. Sort of like, how do I become a channel for healing or for God's light or for whatever you want to call it. You don't have to use the word God. You could say just the force of light and for healing. And so I prayed and prayed about that. And some amazing things happened there, which I'm not going to go into all of it, but I would say because of that experience, but about two months before I had gone to a school in Minnesota and I'd asked the question, what's stronger, love or hate? And this was this fifth grade class so they're older kids and this little girl goes well hate because hate can crush your heart and then i thought wow and it, that stuck in my mind i i tried to like you know talk more about it with her with the class and we talked about it more and tried to to make a good pitch for love <laughs> Like right, like of course. But salesman, wow. salesman. But, uh, but, it, but it stuck with me, that question. And I thought, and when I went to Uvalde in September, I got the answer and to that. I got the answer. And in other words, the answer, you can get the, you can say, well, love is stronger because of blah, blah, blah. Or, and it is, it's, love is, but I got the answer and I can share that with you guys. Yes, please. After this, after this commercial break. No, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> oh dear! <laughs> no, no. It sounds like a, it sounds like I have the answer, but the answer is really more of a question. Which is uh, the answer is that love. When you have love in your heart, so well, one of the things I do with kids is we do a little meditation. We sit, and uh, my friend um, Michael Jolly he created this wonderful meditation app, which I'll give a plug for. It's called Solo S O L U. S-O-L-U, and it's, you can get it on your phone and whatever. And we sit, and I have kids, we do a, a pledge allegiance to their heart. The very last class I taught in Uvalde, which kind of, uh, uh, something magical 
happened. I, um, I wrote on the board, I pledge allegiance to my heart. And I said, what if we wrote a pledge allegiance to my heart? Because I was in, this is Texas. You not only do the pledge allegiance to the country, you do the pledge allegiance to Texas too. Wow. <laughs> they have two pledges they do in the morning. And, uh, and I remember, you know, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, which was put in by Eisenhower, by the way, indivisible, we still say invisible, <laughs> one invisible nation that no one can see <laughs> uh, with liberty and justice for all, you know. And uh, I said, what if we did a pledge for the heart? So I put my hands, uh, I said, but instead of doing one hand, do both, actually hold your heart, you know that expression, hold your heart in your hands. And we did that and we sat and this is how this work has gone for me because I started doing that when I heard a friend of mine, Helen Maffini, she, she has some work she does called Be Kind. It's like a thing. And she told me she was in Vietnam doing this heart meditation with kids and just watching kids with their eyes closed, with their hands holding their heart is a much very powerful image just to see that. So I said, what if we wrote a pledge allegiance to the heart? So here's fifth grade, Uvalde Dual Language Academy. They speak English and Spanish. Wonderful school, by the way. I said to them, let's write it. Can we write it? I said, yeah, what would the first line be? And this is totally unedited. These are just kids raising their hand. First line, I will always be true to myself. Wow. Next line. Another kid puts his hand up. I will show grace to myself and to others. Kind of like Anna Green Gables did to the mean lady. Uh, and the next line, love, this little girl, she goes, love will always matter. And then she pauses for a minute and goes, even when I'm mad. <laughs> and, then, and then this next hand goes up in the back of the room. I actually had this on video. Somebody videoed it for me. This The last line, last hand goes up and goes, I won't let the sun go down on my anger. And then so all I did was add the final line, which is, I will choose the kinder path. I will choose the kinder path. I will choose the kinder path. I did it like a mantra three times. Uh, so put your hands over your heart and repeat after me. I pledge allegiance to my heart. I pledge, I pledge allegiance to, to my heart. heart. I will always stay true to myself. I will, I will always, always stay, stay true, true to, to myself. myself. Love will always matter. Love, Love will, will always, always matter. matter. Even when I'm mad. Even, Even when, when I'm mad. mad. <laughs> I won't let the sun go down on my anger. I, I will not let the sun go down on my anger. I will choose the kinder path. I will, I will choose, choose the, the kinder path. I will, I will choose, choose the kinder, the kinder path. path. I will, I will choose, choose the kind of path. I pledge allegiance to my heart. I will always stay true to myself. I will show grace to myself and to others. Love will always matter even when I am mad. I won't let the sun go down on my anger. I will choose the kinder path. I will choose the kinder path. I will choose the Yes. Always. We have a thing when we fight, someone in the house has to say, love is winning. And sometimes we end up yelling it because as soon as we hear it, it kind of makes us laugh, but we're still mad. Even when I'm mad. <laughs> love is winning. Because <laughs> <laughs> when you think about it, people, when they kind of, when they, when they fall into what, Eckhart Tolle would call unconsciousness. Eckhart Tolle refuses to use the word evil. 
which I think is good in a way because evil almost makes it too much of a power, you know? It makes it like, oh, there are these bad villains everywhere, you know? And maybe there are people who you could call to find it evil, but the reality is uh, unconscious is probably a, a more accurate description, you know? Because it's really they're not conscious of their heart or their of their uh, of Ubuntu spirit or whatever. Even even a, the, our wonderful golden rule: do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. It, it assumes that there are others. You know, it assumes that uh, you know, sort of like if it was the Ubuntu golden rule, it would be do unto us as you'd have do unto us. <laughs> 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 it wouldn't assume the othering of the world, you know, and, uh, and when you make those kinds of, there's a power there. That's like Jedi level power to be able to wield that in the world. That was Martin Luther King level power or Mandala when he gets out of jail and says, I'm not going to, you know, he's not going to go, you know, payback's a bitch. He's not going to take it out on you guys. He's going to say, wait a minute. We all make ourselves, we are all one. And, we saw what your hate did to you, and we're not going to let that hate do it to us to crush our spirits and, the, and your heart. So you need to build a, a roof over your heart. So everyone take your index finger now, you guys, and make a heart out of your index finger on both hands. And just look at me. Uh, yeah, make sure you're doing it right. Uh, yeah, you got <laughs> Now you see you've got the extra fingers, put your extra fingers on top, and... Now your heart has a, a roof over its head, you know, your heart. So there's a song I wrote called Quiet Your Mind. And the, the last verse of that, it was written for Uvalde before I went. And the story, I don't know, uh, the story about that song is that uh, I wrote a draft of it. And my first draft was more like kind of a 60s song. All you need is love it was kind of like that. And I showed it to my wife and she said, well, it's not very good. <laughs> And I said, I said, why? She said, because you can't tell kids that everything is okay when horrible things have happened, when their whole right. lives have fallen apart, when their parents are divorced, or where someone's died, or people have been shot, or just horrible things. People's world does fall apart. So one of the verses, so she wrote, the, rewrote the whole, so she's amazing. She, she doesn't write, but she rewrites amazingly. Um <laughs> There's a verse call that goes like this that she wrote. Like, uh, there's a calm voice deep within me that whispers in my heart ear. ear uh, when I learn to breathe more slowly, I can teach myself to hear my own inner stillness, my own peace of heart, my own loving kindness when my world falls apart. And that line, my ball falls apart. She said, Could, "Is that a line in a kid song?" You know, and and we and then realized, yeah, it is. You know, I, I quiet my mind and leave the past behind. Breathe in, breathe out. Be right here, where I can find myself beyond time, and I have nothing to fear. And that, that, that's what this song is about, that myself beyond time, that kids can stand in the truth of the most awful moment and find peace in their heart. And adults can do that too. Mm -hmm. And yet it's, uh, it sounds glib to say it, but it, uh, there's a great truth there that you can crush a heart, but all the love. So now when I do the heart meditation with kids, I have them do what you just did make your heart put it over your heart and we'll listen to the tones and then slowly rate think of all the people that put love in your heart you know your parents your sister your dog your children your i don't know what else who else and and uh just think about it while you hold your hand over your heart and then make the heart and then they raise the heart slowly up to eye level and they look at the world through the love in their hearts and what does the world look like now you know this like lady in green gables when she comes goes to green gables and she comes back and all of a sudden she's a different person she's seeing the world through this love that she found in her heart 
So the very last thing you do, I want you guys to do this too, is hold the heart, your heart close to your heart and then watch me. We're going to do it like, this is like basketball. It's like a, about chest pass. We're like this. Just throw, make your heart open and throw all the love away like confetti. Go. One, two, three, go. With your, and you got to wiggle your fingers when you do it too. To get maximum spread on the love. <laughs> and this is what I say to kids. And this was the great lesson I learned in Uvalde in September. And I'm going there tomorrow again. That song that it, about the heart pledge was the very last class I taught there. And so I'm going back with that, armed with that, to come back into this group of kids and talk about it. The lesson I learned was that you've given all your love away. And I say this to kids. Uh, do it with like like 400 kids in a in a cafetoria. You've given all your love away now. Now your heart is loveless, right? There's nothing left. And and I just wait. And this is girl goes immediately. Hands will go. No, no. You have more love now. You're you wrong, Mary. Wait, wait a minute. <laughs> if I give you all the money in my wallet, would I have? I have a. I'd be broke. You know. Uh, what? How could this be? And and this little girl. Oh my gosh! <laughs> this little girl in the in the school in San Antonio. The next week after Evaldi, she looks at me. She had like pink hair, was glitter. She was one of those glitter kids. Had glitter all over her face. <laughs> she looked at me and she goes, uh, "Love is eternal. Love goes on." And then she takes her hands and she starts making a window forever and ever and ever. Forever and ever. You guys do it. Forever and ever. Forever and ever and ever and ever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Forever and ever and ever. Yeah. And uh and that is the lesson now that I get to teach kids, uh, because now I know the answer to that question. But hate can crush your heart. Which also leads us to healing a broken heart. Can we get more into that? How do you heal a broken heart? Wow. Oh boy. That's a great question. I've got I've got my own very long-winded, not long-winded, but I have my own answer for well, this. Well, okay. I want I want to hear I want to hear yours of course, Matt, but I want to hear Barry's. I mean, Barry's now I mean, going to ground zero. Right. For the second time since the shooting, since the massacre, since the horrible Okay, so these kids, these kids that you're talking to experienced all of this. What do you say? What, how, and how do you, how do you heal a broken heart? You know, a lot of us, I mean, and a lot of us are, you know, I find that a lot of people disappear when people go through hard times, people disappear. We, Matt and I have found this to be true in our lives, like when horrible things happen to us all of a sudden people that were our best friends supposedly they just disappeared we never heard from them again they don't know if we're alive or anything um and i think one of the reasons that happens is because people don't know what to say and when someone is grieving and you go to them you end up saying things that you've heard said and they just sound so um canned so you end up not wanting to deal with it at all because inevitably you're going to say the wrong thing. Inevitably you're going to look foolish or the person may lash out because that's what they need to do. But you have to be prepared for that and not take it personally. There's a lot going on. and There's I think, a lot going on. I think most people don't have the capacity to deal with it. So they'd rather not, you know, we're all, we've all done this, I think. Yes, and I think the, the helplessness that people feel in in presence of you know real tragedy and horror, but the, the people really we forget that the only thing people really need is you, not anything but that your presence. And uh, and um, I can say from personal experience when my, when my dad died, um, I have a good friend Tom Jenick, um I've talked about him on the podcast before. Yeah, when and he just came to. It, it was one of these friends. You know how friendships evolve over time. You know, at first, like 
he was my friend, but I wasn't really his friend that much. I kind of, so, mm-hmm. you know, he was a roommate. He had a certain way of being in the world that w- was great. It, it could be difficult sometimes, just not for any real reason. But but uh, I didn't know how that we were that friends, but we maintained the friendship over time. And uh, he came to me when my dad died and we walked to the playground near my parents' house and and. I didn't know what to say or what to do. And I just stood with him and he put his arms around me and I just wept. Um, and uh, after that moment, our friendship just totally changed. It was like, now we were totally equal. We were like, he was my friend and I was his friend. And it was just like something happened. And I realized it was just, friendship has nothing to do with all the things we think it has to do with it. There's, a, there's another level channel or or whatever that's going on about just being connected with that person and just connecting and in Uvalde the kids it's sort of I I, I was trying to describe it in a sentence or two to people when when I got back because a lot of people wanted to know what it was like we have uh I posted some pictures and stuff being at the Rob Elementary where the shooting was where this is incredible outpouring of just stuffed animals everywhere and flowers and just it's like this giant shrine to pain and horror and uh, uh, but up to love the love of these these souls that were lost and uh, and so how do you uh i described it like hog the next harry potter novel after all when they go back to hogwarts with their stuffies you know after the war you know and they have to recuperate from the PTSD and all that stuff, and or to find some healing in themselves, and uh, and uh, it happens in uh, being able to tell your story over and over. I once worked with a Cambodian refugee years ago, teaching writing, and teachers would complain, "Yeah, he always tells all these stories, but they're different every time." Yeah. Of course, they're different every time because telling the story is what's important and finding the truth in the many versions of the story. A lot of it is about just sitting with kids, them telling the stories and being able to find a connection and just to be there. You know, the difference between sympathy and empathy, I guess that is what you're talking about, Fawn, I think. The sympathy is when you say, ah, I'm really sorry that happened to you, you poor loser. <laughs> you know. <laughs> It can be, you know, it's you were separate. It's othering that person. Right. Empathy. So the very last day when I was in Uvalde, I did a, a workshop with teachers, and uh, I sang the song "Quiet Your Mind," and uh, my, I quiet my mind. But I started to talk about it, and I just burst into tears. I just not not just tears, but like heaving sobs, and and I said what happened here should not have happened you know and 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 just how honored i was just to be in the presence of these teachers who went back into the classroom it, it was like her beyond heroic to be able to to take their pain and fear even you know and uh, ptsd and there were stories of teachers uh, who could not bear the door being open you know, a door, they'd be in the room and just feel if that door is open, I, you know, go into panic and the kinds of things that happen when you have to face all the, the limbic systems kind of, you know, you know, continual sense of threat, you know. Um, and, uh, but to be able to do that and to go back in and to hug these kids and the only reason they did it, not because of their salaries or their protecting their pension, the only reason they did it is because those kids needed them. And uh, I remember just walking casually down the hall and the woman I was with said, we had a nice talk with a teacher and, and she told me afterward that woman's son died in the shooting. You know? And she's a teacher. And she went back in to be with her students, to be in... Uh, and I just remember thinking just how these type of events make you realize the bonds that hold people teachers teaching to me is a calling it's not a job and that uh, these kids need them so how do you mend the heart that's the question telling the story being there you know or climbing into the pit with them that's what i didn't do that till the very end that last day when i felt like like i had to i felt 
this connection with these teachers, realize that that's really what they've been doing. And, uh, and, you know, actually feeling what, or being there for them, you know, I guess that's what it is. What Tom did for me at the playground when my dad died, uh, maybe is, is it do that for these kids, be there for them. Uh, and, uh, these kids, the other thing I noticed is that these kids were doing it for each other so much. So many kids, they all bring stuffies with them wherever they go. And they, they're, they're like loving each other and their stuffies, you know. And uh, I was just in a classroom, my great friend, Sean, Sean Taylor, great fourth grade teacher in Tucson. He gives his kid at the beginning of the year, they get their own stuffed animal to take care of. They have to feed it. And they put it in their cubby holes and uh and uh, and that kind of care, that practicing caring for each other is is really the key to, to healing. Which leads us to, where does love live? How would you answer that? Where does love live, Barry? Do you want me to do it in Jim, my Jim Morrison voice? He lives on Love Street. <laughs> Hey-o! <laughs> uh, where does love live? Love lives... Um, Hmm. Love lives in the spaces, the, the places, cracks within the broken heart. So the heart is crushed, but there's love. Uh, that love is still, when I say the kids, is if your heart is broken, is the love still there? Yeah. Anyone that's had to grieve for a loved one. And I mean, you see, I see these really heartfelt tributes to great people. One of them that died recently is my friend Kevin Locke. He's a Lakota Sioux dancer. He's traveled around the world, over 90 countries, bringing the spirit of, of love and connection to people. And I, he died the day I, the week, the two days after I got back from Uvalde. And the, the same day that my dad died, and he was like a spiritual mentor to me, um, Kevin Locke. Yeah. Let me give a quick example of him. He comes to this elementary school. He was performing at Millbury College, and he came to our elementary school as a as a gift of friendship to do a free hoop dance with the kids. And the elementary school has a giant picture of a of an Indian chief guy because the, the school mascot is the Raiders. You know? So I think, oh God, this is so embarrassing. <laughs> And he looks at the picture and he talks to the kids, you see the feathers? And he uses as a PowerPoint to talk about the nobility of the human spirit, to know your higher self. So he took that image, which is what I would call degrading and just awful, and he just used to tell kids about the power of their nobility, of the spirit that they have. So Kevin Locke's uh, that kind of the fact that he, and because of that lesson, 10 years later, I wrote a song called Know Your Higher Self, which I do with kids. Take it off the shelf. Give it room to play every single day. Forget about the fight. Forget about othering other people. Reach for what is right. You can teach yourself to fly like the eagle when you want to cry. And that's the lesson. Thank you so much, Barry. So with that, let's be on our way and step out into the world and remember everything that we we learned from Barry. That sounds good. Thank you. It was a great gift to talk with you, you and Matt now, simply because I got to talk about it and to recenter myself and try to prepare myself for it. I always feel it's like Jonah and the whale. You know, Jonah, God says to Jonah to go to this place and talk to talk good stuff you know and jonah says now nah, i'm going to go somewhere else and then the whale spits him up on the shore in the place where it's going to be and you helped me to kind of uh, recenter myself there and i'm going to bring the lessons of the heart and that your heart is like a fortress that you can stand inside and feel your feet beneath you whenever you try to quiet your mind so those lessons of love that happened in the cracks in people's hearts. I'm reaffirmed in my mission to do that by simply being able to tell you about it and to understand it 
through talking understand it myself. So I thank you for this opportunity. Mary, thank you for speaking with us and all of our friends. And I just realized, Matt, you always talk about the difference between love and hate. Yes. I don't know. I feel like, do you even want to talk about your identification with that or your explanation for the difference between love and hate, which is greater? I just feel like in this situation, I mean, would you even, I don't know. Because the the gravity of the situation, Uvalde, the gravity of the situation that happens, unfortunately, all the time in the United States and around the world, the wars around the world, the hatred around the world, the gravity is so immense that sometimes I feel like I don't want to say anything because whatever I say sounds ridiculous. Right. So I'm kind of afraid to say, Matt, what do you, could you tell everyone what well, you always explain? After God, I, I, I look at Barry like a student looks at a teacher. He's a, he's, he feels like my mentor. So I, for me to say anything feels like I'm putting a little scoop of frosting on top of this beautiful, well-decorated cake that, that, that Barry has provided for us as far as a feast goes. Got it. So... Yeah, all I can really say is, you know, ridiculous pithy sayings. But one that sticks out to me in particular is shared joy is increased, shared pain is lessened. And that's all I can say about it. So you don't want to get into the love thing? No. Okay. (laughs) I mean, I, I understand. I understand. I would just feel like a cartoon after Barry. I feel you. I feel you. Wow. Uh, it's been a real, it's a real joy just to talk with you guys because it's uh, what you're doing with your podcast to me is about opening up hearts which need to be opened. I'm so grateful for your friendship, Barry. You, you make me feel like I can keep walking. You give me strength. Thank you for your well, kindness. You. I love Thank you so you. much. We Thank love you, you the too. whole family. Love we, you guys. We love you so much. So to and I'll, you'll be with me, and I'll, I'll report back on another later date what happens this time because this seems to be an evolving dream. Let's hear a thing about it. There's no real answer. I mean, Matt was saying it was, felt like it was being glib, or was, and I, I feel that way too. It, it becomes, I think, it's really, it's an evolving story. You know, stay tuned. You know, stay because tuned. this is not. There you go. Yeah. All right, to learn more about Barry, of course, remember forcefieldforgood.com. Link is in the show notes. All right, everybody, we'll talk to you in just a few days. Take care. Again, reach out to Barry, reach out to us. There's love all around, and we can make it through. Love you guys. Bye. Be well. storm clouds high above and my life seems full of trouble and I can't find the love when my thoughts just spin with worries and I'm caught up in that tide but it's so hard not to hurry so hard not to hide I quiet my mind and leave the past behind breathe in, breathe out right here where I can find myself beyond time and I have nothing to fear I quiet my mind quiet my mind quiet my mind in my ear when I learn to breathe more slowly I can teach myself to hear my own inner stillness my own peace of heart 
my own loving kindness when my world falls apart. I quiet my mind and leave the past behind. Breathe in, breathe out, be right here. Where I can find myself beyond time. beyond time. 